630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, top of the blue paint. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the net. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. Goes to the left side. He'll hit Corey Watson with it. He'll sidestep one tackler and gets to the 20. Corey Watson inside the 10. Touchdown, Eskimo. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. News breaking today that three more Eskimos are done for the season as they get set for the Riders on Friday. Connor McDavid is in Toronto for the annual BioSteel camp, and he says the Oilers are hungry after getting a taste of the playoffs last season. And Connor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather make their grand arrivals in Las Vegas for this weekend's Super Fight. This is Inside Sports. Brendan Ulrich in for Reed Wilkins tonight. Reed will be back on Monday. Dave Campbell recovering from some back pain. He'll be back uh, tomorrow uh, on this show filling in for Reed Wilkins. I believe he'll be in on Thursday as well. Friday, the Eskimos and the Riders here on 630. Chet, on the program tonight, Stephen Brunt will join us from Sportsnet here very shortly. He is out in Vegas right now as uh, Sportsnet gets set for the big fight this weekend. Super fight, whatever you want to call it. Are you excited or are you not? We'll talk about that here in a second. Uh, Brandon Zilstra will join us. Eskimos wide receiver. He's expected to play against Saskatchewan on Friday. Not official, but it looks like he'll go. Jamie Thomas will join us from TSN 1150 in Hamilton to talk a little bit about uh, John Chick, but more so about the NFL, the season just around the corner. I know Jamie loves the NFL, so looking forward to talking to him about some of the storylines around the league tonight at 7.30. Morley Scott will join us. He is the Eskimos radio voice. He's been out of practice this week. We'll get an update on what transpired earlier today. The Eskimos, injury news, they announced long snapper Ryan King, defensive end Marcus Howard, and offensive lineman J.S. Waugh are all done for the rest of the season. King and Raw. Is it Roy or Waugh? See, I need to. I should have figured this out. We'll go with Waugh with knee injuries. Uh, and Howard is out with uh, ruptured Achilles. So, uh, you know, the, the Eskimos did bring in John Chick over the weekend. So you somewhat sort of saw this coming. But now it's official with Howard being gone for the year. Uh, still no sign of Brandon Thompson, Vidal Hazelton, and Corey Jones this week at practice. So that's uh, still up in the air. But the good news for the Eskimos is that it looks like Brandon Zilstra will play. Almondo Sewell expected to go for the Eskimos. And the same goes for Gary Peters after missing two weeks. More uh, on Brandon Zilstra at 6.30. Now, Connor McDavid is in Toronto right now. Oilers captain, reigning NHL MVP, Art Ross Trophy winner. Uh, the Oilers getting to the playoffs for the first time in over 10 years last season. And uh, he is saying that the Oilers are hungry after getting a taste. 
This year was only a little taste for everyone and, and it just made everyone hungrier and, and, and wanting to, to go further. I think the way the city responded uh, you know, makes coming back uh, you know, exciting and, and fun. And um, you know everyone's looking forward to getting back and, and um, trying to make the playoffs again and, and having a great season. I'm not going to comment on that. Um, you know, we, we know we have a good team. You know, we showed that last year and it's up to us to reestablish ourselves and... and um, but realistically, we still haven't done anything uh, in, in in the league. I mean, we made the second round, and that's great. But you know, that's that's not what hockey's about. It's about winning, and, and um, you know, we have a long way to go to do that. That's Connor McDavid. He was asked uh, in that interview if the Oilers are considered one of the Stanley Cup favorites, and he said, "I don't want to answer that, but he knows they are. The expectations are now here for this team to uh, grow and do better, or basically improve on what they did last season. That was getting to the second round. So we'll see if they can do that or not, or what they do in the regular season. Uh, by the way." The hockey news, this is making news now, even though it was sort of released uh, last week, but everyone's talking about it today. Uh, Connor McDavid, according to the hockey news, the best player in the NHL ahead of Sidney Crosby. We can debate that throughout the show. Uh, the reason why I would have McDavid ahead of Crosby right now, despite uh, Crosby coming off a of Stanley Cup, is that I still think McDavid can take his game to another level this season, and that will likely mean more goals for Connor McDavid. That's where I want to see Connor McDavid take that next step. Uh, I could see him getting 45 goals. I mean, Austin Matthews scored 40 last season. McDavid shoots more on two-on-ones if uh, he continues to work on his shot. He has a good shot, but, you know, he'll, he'll be more comfortable now in the league uh, and know when to use it. If he shoots more on the two-on-ones he gets, uh, he'll, he'll get there. I think 40 to 45 goals is possible for McDavid this season. And uh, I still think he has another level to get to, and that will lead the Oilers to a Stanley Cup here in the near future. You can hit on that. All right, let's talk about this super fight. We have Stephen Prunk coming up here in uh, about five minutes. So they make their grand arrivals in Las Vegas today. You can call it the super fight of the century. I don't know what's going to happen on Saturday, but I'll be watching. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I'll get together with my buddies. I'll watch this. Something to do. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the ring. I do expect Mayweather to win. I just don't think McGregor will be able to hit him at all, despite him being stronger and uh, heavier in this fight. But, I mean, you look at some of the boxers Mayweather's went up against that haven't been able to touch him at all. He's just too quick. So, I think he'll win the fight. I don't think the fight's going to be good, but I'll still watch it. Maybe I'm a sucker. Buying all the hype. But for whatever reason, the Vegas odds... Uh, are favored right now for Mayweather to win. Uh, He's at minus 400. McGregor to win are plus 300. Now, back on November 17th, the odds were minus 2250 for Mayweather and plus 950 for McGregor. So that's a a big shift. So a lot of people are betting on McGregor for whatever reason. UFC fans uh, from around the world are, uh, you know, placing some money on McGregor. But that's a big shift. So... I don't know what that means. I still think that means Mayweather is going to win. Kellen, are you at all stoked about this fight? Uh, I am. Unfortunately, I won't get a chance to watch it just because of summer being wedding season, and I got one of those happening this weekend, so I'll be missing that, unfortunately. But I'll be paying attention to it on Twitter, on my phone, because that seems to be like the next best place to experience, you know, live fights and that stuff is because everybody tweets about it, right? So it's almost as if you're watching it. But... 
I'd put money down on McGregor. Oh, really? I wow. would, yep. Absolutely. Just because I think Mayweather, I think ring rust is going to uh, prove to be a factor in this one. McGregor is just, you know, a few months removed from his last UFC fight, whereas is this the first fight Mayweather has had since Pacquiao? Is this what we're looking at? or? Ah, uh, That's a good question. See, I don't watch boxing at all, so, I mean, I think he may have fought. I don't know. Yeah, because the Pacquiao fight was, what, over a year ago now? Yeah, that was a long so, while ago. Yeah, I think ring rust is going to happen, and there's no... You can't train for in-ring con- combat. You can try and get yourself cardio cardiovascular ready and that stuff but you know the moment somebody lands a shot against your nose and like breaks it in the ring and that stuff there goes your game plan right so well we will see i hope you're right because i am rooting for mcgregor yes, i don't want I'd, to see, like to see connor win. take the win too but but i mean you, you'll make some money if it happens if you want to throw some money at it but you might also lose some money i, I don't know i don't know what's going to happen um it could also be a situation where Mayweather just walks in there and just cleans his clock in like two rounds and that's it too. So we don't well, know. Yeah, that. I mean, I don't know if Mayweather's going to throw many punches at him. I think he'll just this might go the distance. That's what I'm yeah. sort of thinking. Like, yep. okay, you know, Mayweather just dances around, dances around, McGregor gets tired and then maybe he gets a few shots in. I mean, that's the thing. These UFC I mean, it's going to be a long fight. I don't know how long boxing fights even go. Is it 12 rounds? Yeah, it's 12 rounds. So yeah. it could go the distance. Yeah, and we'll here's the thing, too, is that uh, the the price for this pay-per-view is insane. Yeah. $100 for an HD feed of the pay-per-view, is that's a little much. So, yeah, it'd be one where I'd be sussing out a, a, a fine establishment in the city that'd be showing it to uh, see if I could you know, bring some people over to partake in that action. We'll just put it that way. Well, they're saying... Uh, the fight threatens the pay-per-view revenue record uh, set by Mayweather and Pacquiao two years ago. So the fight will also be seen by millions more worldwide with promoters claiming it will be available either online or on a TV screen to more than 1 billion homes in 200 different countries. But Combat Sports is saying uh, that over 50 million people will be watching in the U.S. alone. So I believe it. People yep. will be watching this. Yeah, it's a quiet weekend in the summer. NFL is just doing their uh, exhibition stuff. There's not a lot happening. I think even NASCAR has the weekend off down there. So that's like the only big sporting thing they they got this weekend is this fight. And the Eskimos are on Friday, so that'll be done with. So there you go. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll watch. I'm intrigued. I don't expect a lot to happen. I think the, the weigh-ins might even be more exciting. But speaking of that, uh, Stephen Brunt is out in Las Vegas right now covering the fight for Sportsnet. Stephen, how are you doing? Let's just uh, look at this fight here. The build-up. How excited is everyone in Vegas right now? Hey, uh, it's, just, uh, it's just starting to build, I would say, the excitement here. There's, it's, you know, it's August in Las Vegas, which is a quiet time of year, quite a very hot time of year. Um, so it's, there's not a lot going on other than this fight, but uh, with the with the fighters arriving today and uh, the events that are going to happen during this week by Thursday, Friday, you know I think will be it'll be the kind of pretty familiar the kind of pr- pretty familiar atmosphere you get before any kind of a big boxing match or a big UFC show. I want to get your take on the fight. Uh, how you what, what did you think of the fight when this was first announced, and uh, how has your thoughts on this fight changed throughout the build-up and now the fact that you're in Vegas here for the fight? Uh, just your personal thoughts on uh, you know this super fight and how it's all come together. Well, I'll tell you, I was one of the I was one of the early guys thinking that this fight would happen when they when the speculation first kicked around, when a lot of people were saying, "No, no, it's impossible, it won't happen." I I always thought there was such kind of 
impeccable promotional logic to it, financial logic to it, that, you know, for both guys, it's almost, you know, there's really no risk and all rewards. So why, you know, if you follow the money, generally it leads you to the truth of these circumstances. So I always thought it would happen um, because, you know, uh, Mayweather at, at age 40 even still feels there's very little risk in this. Gets a huge payday. I don't. I think otherwise. I don't think you ever would have fought again. And McGregor's, pay, you know, leaving his sport to take a chance. He's going to get a payday that's many, many, many multiples of what he would ever get in the UFC. And if he loses, he loses. That's you know, he's he's not a boxer. He's a he's a mixed martial artist, and that is a different sport. So very little for him to lose in terms of reputation. Loads to gain financially. So again, I always kind of thought it would happen. And my thoughts on the fight itself haven't changed one bit. Um, I don't think Conor McGregor has any chance to win this fight. I think it's it's on it's Floyd Mayweather's game. He is one of the best defensive fighters ever. He is one of the best fighters, period, of his generation. Best defensive fighter, technically, I have ever seen in the flesh. And I go back to Ray Leonard and Duran and a lot of other guys I've seen over the years. He is spectacular defensively. He doesn't get hit. And that means he doesn't get hit by guys who are great fighters, great boxers. Been in a ring with a lot of great boxers who couldn't touch him. So for him to go into the ring against a guy who is not a boxer by trade, you know, who's never fought professionally, is uh, it's it, it, the, the you know we, we can talk about a puncher's chance, but you got to be able to land that punch. And I, I just don't see any scenario in which Conor McGregor lands that punch. Yeah, I'm with you on that, but it seems like there has uh, been a little bit of a shift in terms of the betting. You're in Vegas, you can uh, explain this better than I can, but it seems like some people actually believe that McGregor has a chance. Why do you think that is? Well, and you're right. There's been a big shift in the odds. Um, I, I, you know, to the point where I, I guess if you, the best way to explain it is that Mayweather's you know like a five to one favorite now rather than a twenty five to one favorite. That means a bunch of money is coming on McGregor. But look, I think this whole promotion, the whole, has been predicated on trying to convince people that McGregor has a chance. And you know, whether that's talking about Floyd's age or suggesting that he's you know out partying all week before the fight or you know anything that even Floyd's been talking about. You know, well, I'm not the same fighter I used to be because they have to close the credibility gap. That's that's the so that maybe they've succeeded. You know, and Connor is great on the mic. He's you know he looks like the most confident guy in the world. He um, so you know that and he had those press appearances, the press tour. So maybe that that has convinced some people, or they at least have kind of suspended disbelief. Plus, you know, you got this loyal MMA crowd, and he's their guy. And you know, kind of their standard bear against the old school boxing crowd. So I, I, I think you know, I think people are betting with their hearts rather than their heads. But I, what I would expect is that in the next few days, the smart money is all going to come in, and at, and at those odds, the smart money is all going to land on Mayweather. So I think those odds may push in the other direction pretty dramatically in the 48 hours before the fight. Well, what does this do for both sports, I guess, if, uh, you know, Mayweather just uh, dominates uh, McGregor in this fight? that The idea of this super fight, the idea of both sports coming together, uh, what if this all fails? Does it even matter because the buildup has been so big and everyone's going to get paid in the end? Yeah, I don't I don't think there's going to be much legacy there. You know, it, it's, it's kind of it's a, it's a one-off in a lot of ways. Yeah. I don't think we'll see more fights between boxers and MMA artists because, again, it's a different, two different things. Maybe, you know, maybe, but they won't be like this. Obviously, I don't think Mayweather will ever fight again. Um, I'm not sure Conor McGregor will ever, ever fight again. It's kind of hard to imagine him going back to the UFC and getting paid five million dollars to fight when he's making a hundred million dollars plus for this one. So, this could be the end of the line for both these guys. Uh, 
I guess if McGregor somehow you know landed the miracle punch and knocked Floyd out, we might be talking about a rematch, or if there's something controversial, you could be talking about a rematch. But you know, this whole fight, they, they threw this thing together in a hurry. The reason it's happening in August, you know, they they didn't want to wait till later in the fall. They wanted to get it done. Both guys wanted to get paid. So I, I, I think, you know, once this fight's over, the UFC will return to its axis and boxing will return to its axis. And we'll be talking about, you know, the people who care about boxing will be talking about Fernando Alvarez and Golovkin in the fall. And uh, the people in the UFC will be talking about George St. Pierre coming back. And this will be it. It'll be, you know, it'll just kind of evaporate into thin air. Well, you talked about the big boxing fight after. I don't, I don't follow boxing a whole lot. I mean, I'm 27 years old. I've grown up watching the UFC. Uh, but where is boxing at in your mind, uh, Stephen? And how can this fight help uh, grow the sport? Or what does boxing, I guess, need to do to try to draw in, I guess, some of the younger viewers to get back uh, on top? Or is it just what it is? Where, where are you at with boxing right now? Yeah, I, th- I think it is what it is, and I also think UFC is kind of stagnated a bit. You know, MMA is stagnated a bit. We're not seeing the kind of crazy growth that we saw 10 years ago, even five years ago. So I think both sports have kind of settled into their place in the universe, and neither one of them is, you know, they're mainstream to the degree that they, they you know, when, when they have a big star fighting, uh, the larger world might tune in. But a lot of, they're, they're kind of niche sports, and I don't think that's going to change. You know, they're on the boxing side, you've got – a very exciting heavyweight out of England, Anthony Joshua, now the heavyweight champion. I think he's going to excite some people. I think there'll be some crossover audience for this Golovkin-Canelo uh, fight, which is, you know, unlike Mayweather uh, McGregor, is actually sold out, you know, the, in, in the same arena. That, that fight's sold out. And I think in UFC, you've got St. Pierre coming back. But look, they're, and they've got John Jones. They've got a few other marketable stars. But if you, you know, you take Conor McGregor out of that mix, they're going to be struggling in their own way to find box office attractions. So, yeah, I, th- I think both sports are kind of what they are in this in this day and age. There's an appetite for combat sports. I'm not. I think there always will be, but I don't. You know, we we the golden age for both sports may have passed. Just before I let you go, Steve, I know you're busy out there in uh, Vegas. Just uh, set the week up for us. What are you expecting? Are they going to come to blows maybe at the weigh-in, or what do you think's uh, going to happen here? I, you know, I don't think they'll come to blows. You know, this is that. But there'll be something, right? This, uh, they had a very well choreographed publicity tour. You know, it's like, they're, they're, look, they both have something to gain here. So they're partners. They're not foes. Until they get in the ring, then they're foes. But up to that moment, they are partners in this promotion. So, yeah, there'll be some theatrics and some things will be said and people will be offended. And uh, I guarantee you that. And uh, that's on, uh, that's on uh, press conferences on Wednesday. Friday's the weigh-in. So maybe a little more of the same, and then um, yeah, then we'll then then we'll have a fight on Saturday, and it'll be. I think the curiosity factor is still there. That kind of hard to know what this is going to look like. I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm pretty sure about the outcome, but I'm not sure how we're going to get to that outcome. And I think, I guess that curiosity is still going to be what drives this event. That's Stephen Brunt of Sportsnet. Knows the fight scene better than anyone else saying uh, he believes Mayweather is going to win this thing easily. You can chime in on the fight. Text us 630-630. Get to a couple of those quickly here. Is McGregor a boxing specialist? If not, that's hard for McGregor. Well, yes, this is not McGregor's game. It will be difficult. Uh, This texter says two rounds tops. Well, I'd like to know 
who you're saying wins it uh, after two rounds. Uh, this was what I was getting at earlier. I think McGregor will get tired in this fight. Boxers are conditioned for 12 rounds, not three. I believe UFC championship fights are five rounds. But yeah, I, I mean, McGregor, he likes to go for the knockout punch or the knockout victory in the UFC, so perhaps he gets tired if this one continues on. And this texter says, this fight reminds me of Rocky versus Hulk Hogan. In Rocky 2, it's just a cash grab by these guys. That's from Kevin. We'll take a time out here on Inside Sports. We'll get back to your reaction on the fight. Uh, the Eskimos getting set for the Riders. What do you think about Connor McDavid saying he's hungry entering the season? That's all ahead here on Inside Sports. Back here on Inside Sports, Brendan Ulrich with you. Uh, we will talk more about the fight throughout the evening here on Inside Sports. McGregor uh, against Connor, or McGregor versus Mayweather. You can text us 6:30, 6:30. Your thoughts on that fight? Some breaking news though, just coming down from TMZ Sports. John Jones stripped of his uh, light heavyweight title after testing positive for steroids at UFC 214. Wow. Of course, he had knocked out Cormier in that fight. And uh, UFC 215, the next big UFC pay-per-view, that one's in Edmonton uh, in September. But, wow, that's a big story as we continue down this road. Also, the Cleveland Cavaliers have traded Kyrie Irving tonight. So lots to hit on on this uh, Tuesday edition of Inside Sports. So when we come back, we'll be joined by Eskimos wide receiver Brandon Zilstra, who's expected to play against the Riders on Friday. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Brennan Ulrich in for Reed Wilkins on Inside Sports tonight. Mike Riley bringing us back. We'll hear from one of his favorite targets up next. That is Brandon Zilstra. But first, two big stories breaking in the world of sports tonight. Uh, the first... The Cleveland Cavaliers trading Kyrie Irving to the Boston Celtics. Uh, the Celtics will send uh, point guard Isaiah Thomas, Jay Crowder, center Ante Zizek, and the rights to a 2018 draft pick of the Brooklyn Nets, which will likely be a very, very high pick, if not the first overall pick in that draft. But this is strange based on the fact that you have arguably the top two teams in the Eastern Conference trading making a trade like this. Now, of course, I think Cleveland is looking ahead to the future. Uh, LeBron James just one more year left on his deal there with Cleveland, then he'll likely go somewhere else and form some sort of super team. That's what's expected. So they are sort of building uh, to the future, and Irving wanted out, and now he has been traded to Cleveland or to uh, Boston. And in my mind, that makes Boston now the best team in the East ahead of Cleveland. So... Three straight years of Cleveland and Golden State in the NBA Finals. It could now be Golden State against uh, Boston when all is said and done this uh, upcoming season. So it's a big trade. Kyrie Irving, one of the best players in the NBA. You can make a case he's top five best players right now. Certainly the way he attacks the, the rim, he's one of the best. He's one of the most skilled players all around in the NBA as well. Defensively, a little... You know, he leaves a little to be desired there, but overall, he's a pretty good player. So that's a big trade. The other breaking news just coming down the pipe here, John Jones testing positive for steroids after UFC 214. His title has been stripped. He knocked out Daniel Cormier. That was a very hype or much hype fight. 
dating back to uh, Jones, of course, uh, being banned from the UFC for a year for a positive drug test prior to this. And now he tests positive for steroids after beating Cormier. So that's a big story uh, from the UFC as well. UFC 215 coming up in Edmonton here in September. Uh, You also have the McGregor fight coming up here against uh, Floyd Mayweather. You can text us on the fight if you'd like. Adam has chimed in saying, tired, five-minute rounds of five minutes of grappling, tossing, slamming, holding, etc. Isn't easy. I'd argue he is in better shape. He's talking about uh, McGregor being in better shape than Mayweather. I was saying earlier I could see McGregor getting tired in this fight based on the fact that uh, this is Mayweather's game. He won't get tired in the ring. Um, He'll just dance around. And uh, he'll be okay with that, where I think McGregor is going to be trying to throw these haymaker punches, trying to knock out Mayweather as soon as he can. And that's where I'm getting at. That's why I think he'll get tired. He's bigger, and it's sort of like, okay, the bear is sort of chasing around. Uh, I don't know. What's a quick animal that's a little bit smaller? The The rabbit. There you go. The the bear and the hair. (laughs) The bear and the hair. I like that. So that's what I see happening. But who the heck knows? Uh, Well, it'll be fun when it's all said and done. Uh, That goes on this Saturday. But before that, on Friday, a big Eskimos game. The Eskimos are hosting the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Always uh, exciting when the Riders are in town. Uh, We mentioned off the top the Eskimos losing three players for the rest of the season. Uh, They are, of course, Marcus Howard. They have also lost, where's my list here, long snapper Ryan King, Marcus Howard, an offensive lineman, J.S. Waugh out for the season for the Eskimos. So with the Howard thing, we sort of expected. That's why they brought in John Chick. Uh, but they will get Brandon Zilstra back on offense. Not officially out there yet. Uh, but we'll find out from Brandon here if he's uh, expected to suit up on Friday. We bring aboard number 83, Brandon Zilstra. Welcome back to Inside Sports. Brandon, how are things going? Not too bad. How you doing? I'm doing great, uh, getting uh, excited for what's ahead on Friday, the Eskimos and the Riders. Uh, it looks like you're playing. I don't know if that's confirmed, but how are you uh, feeling health-wise? Um, feeling much better, like much better. I've uh, been really taking my time with this rehab, just making sure everything's uh, you know, like tip-top shape, just to make sure I'm ready to play when I'm able to. Okay, so you won't confirm if you're good to go on Friday or not? Do we have to wait until the depth chart comes out? Uh that's not my call (laughs) well let's just uh talk about uh you know you're going down with that injury because you were at the top of your game you're really establishing yourself here in the cfl i mean the offense was uh, firing on all cylinders as well so uh just knowing at where you were at uh, in your own game and the team game as well you guys were winning undefeated at the time how tough was it for you to have that setback injury wise uh, very tough. Um, I, I want the team to be able to rely on me at any point, and I want to do you know my job to the best of my ability. You know, you can't do it when you're not on the field. So it, it's something that definitely hurt. Uh, but you know what? Like, you know, I think somebody put a curse on our team or something this year for all the injuries we've had. So you know, I was just, I guess, I was next in line. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, it's been bizarre, but. Uh... <laughs> You talked about, you know, wanting to become a reliable guy here. Clearly, that's what you had become. It seemed like you and Mike were really starting to establish a a great chemistry and you were becoming his go-to guy. Um, Just talk about that relationship and where uh, uh, that's uh, developed in your second season here at the Eskimos. 
Yeah, that's something that, you know, was one of my main goals last year is just, you know, just to get his trust, develop his trust. Um, and that, so, you know, we, I got the, I got to play in the final eight games last year. So we, we got a sense of, you know, a feel for each other at that. And then uh, this year, you know, it carried right over. We didn't skip a beat coming right into camp. So it, it's been nice, you know. It's been great. Yeah, no doubt. Um, this <laughs> offense uh, as a whole, Brandon, um, I mean, you were out for a while. Bowman's been out. Um, Williams missed a game. He's back now. But it really seems like we don't know where this offense can take, uh, like what level this offense can get to because it's been good this season. It's been consistent. But do you think with everyone coming back here, there's still another level that uh, this group can get to? Even the offensive line has been banged up for that matter as well. So where do you think this offense can go here as we get to the middle point of the season? You know, sky's the limit with this offense. We just have weapons all over. You know, guys are stepping up left and right. You know, I think, I think we've had a you know a substitute for every single position out there so far. But uh, you know, except quarterback. Um, but um, you know, it's, that just all goes back to the coaches. They do. You know, they demand demand perfection. Um, and you know, your routes, your blocking, your technique, and everything like that. All of us, all of us guys are just really buying into everything they're saying. And it's clearly shown out there, you know, when guys are when guys have to step up, you know, they're doing exactly what they're told. Whether it's to open up somebody else, you know, catch the ball, block for somebody else, you know, everybody's just just really falling into their role, and you know, production is getting from that. Um, and as we build chemistry, I think there's you know nowhere but up from here. Well, you said sky's the limit for this offense. Uh, where do you think you can take your game here moving forward now that you've established yourself as uh, an every-down player here in the CFL? Uh, where do you think your game can get to moving forward? I'm just going to keep doing what they tell me. Um, you know, catch the ball every time it's thrown at me, and then um, something I take personal pride in is, you know, like yards after catch. So if I get the ball, I, I just I want to be the league leader in uh, yak. Like that that's that's one of my personal goals, because that's something you know that's just taking advantage of your opportunity, and that's something I'm big about. Um, so that that's something I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to in these next upcoming games. Talking with the Eskimos receiver here, Brandon Zilstra on Inside Sports. Brandon Ulrich with you. Uh, playing the Riders this week, it's always uh, a lot of fun. Uh, lots of Rider fans will be in town. But this is also a big game for your group coming off the loss. You guys are 7-1, and one, but that West division is tight, and there's really no room for error uh, if you guys want to win the division. So uh, just you know, talk about how big this game is coming off a loss and uh, how you guys sort of want to rebound uh, moving here, moving forward as you get closer to a Labor Day against Calgary. Yeah, we definitely want to revenge the loss. Um, we feel we didn't, we didn't play, you know, near the best game we could have. Um, you know, it's just, you know, I don't want to make excuses, but we had, we had a lot of new guys out there working in different positions and we, made, we had to make some changes during the game and stuff. So it was just, it just took us a while to get everybody on the same page and you know it ended up being too late at the end but um you know this is a big game um like you said we're starting to get into our west division um now that's that's our next couple games so we really got to make a statement and prove that you know we're playing this well for a reason you know it's not a fluke uh, Jason Moss was I wanted to mention this to you Jason Moss was uh on the coaches show last night uh in in uh in, in studio here uh, at the 6:30 Chad station station, and Brian he was actually wearing uh, a Concordia College shirt last night. So did you give it that <laughs> to? Did you give that to him? <laughs> no, there's actually a, a little story behind that. Um, 
he he was telling. I don't. Did he talk to you about that at all? No, I just noticed he was wearing it. He talked to uh, Morley a little bit about it, but uh, I wasn't around when he was uh, talking about it. So I wanted to know the story. So I'm actually still waiting for the full story too. But uh, in meetings, he he was standing up in front. He had a sweatshirt on. <clears throat> He's like, "You got to get to know your teammates a little bit." Blah blah blah. You know, and my uh, my college was the Concordia College Cobbers. A cobber is, you know, like a corn cob, basically. And so our little motto was fear the ear. And so he gave this little speech about how we need to be listening and all this kind of stuff. And all of a sudden he takes off his shirt and it's a fear the ear shirt. And I was just like, where in the world did you get that? And so I went and talked to him a little bit afterward. He just gave me a brief rundown because we didn't have too much time. But he, uh, he heard an interview with my head coach. And they're talking about like our motto and stuff. And he goes, "That's perfect. You know, I'm going to try incorporating that into our thing." And so, from what I've heard, he's bought uh, those same fear that your shirts for the entire offense. But I've yet to see one of those yet. But I thought it was pretty cool to, you know, for him to be supporting that out here. And I know once I tell my coaches back home, even though I think they're already aware, because I think they're talking to Coach Moss. But either way, just to let them know that you know they're getting support out here and stuff. They're they're definitely going to love that. <laughs> That, that's outstanding. So your former coach, that was Terry Horan, right? I believe he was on Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins a few weeks ago. So maybe that's the interview he, you were referring to. Uh, but that uh, was your former coach, I think correct? so. That must have been the interview. All right. So yep. um, during that interview, he talked a little bit about uh, how he recruited you. And uh, I believe there was uh, basketball involved as well because you played basketball in high school. So is this how he first noticed you? Was uh, basketball and something to do with your brother as well? Can you maybe fill us in on that? Yep. I think it actually started with my brother. Um, my brother is just a year older than me, um, defensive end, and he got recruited at Concordia. And so, you know, I, I knew Coach Horan for a while because, you know, he came to a couple home visits and stuff. And every time he came, he always made sure he talked to me too, just knowing I was coming up. And uh, when it came down to the recruiting process, I ended up um, going to Augustana and Sioux Falls, South Dakota first, uh, division, a small Division two program out there. But as I was there, I was there for a year and a half, and it just didn't seem like the right fit for me. And, you know, I, I really liked uh, Coach Horan. Uh, I felt like I had a good connection with him. And, you know, I knew the I knew the Moorhead, uh, Minnesota area pretty well, too. So I just gave him a call and just, just asked if he still had a roster spot for me. And, you know, he was, he was ecstatic. He welcomed me with open arms. Now, I, I believe he also said that your first catch, uh, you took it to the house. Is that true, or was it maybe later in the game? But your first game, you made a big play for a touchdown. Yeah, it was first or second catch. It was just a little little six-yard hitch, and I think I took it like 60 yards. So that, it was, honestly, it, I was so pumped because all they did was want to play football. And, you know, I wasn't getting that opportunity at my first school. And so the fact that they gave me that opportunity and I was, you know, able to and do something with it. I was, I was just pumped. So are you a big basketball fan, and do you still play basketball at all? Um, yeah, I'm a basketball fan. I was more of a, a track guy, actually. Okay. Um, I actually competed in track in college. I did that at Concordia. Um, he also said, Terry also I, said... I, I just really just love competing. Okay, I, well, he also said you're a water skier. Is that true, too? <laughs> Uh, that's actually one of my biggest, uh, biggest loves, biggest passions. Uh, cause I grew up in Minnesota, you know, land of 10,000 lakes. So that's all I did. I was on the lake, you know, four or five, six times a week growing up. And I actually used to compete skiing back in the day. Um, we do some regional and national competitions and stuff. And uh, so that, that's something that's really big in my family. Um, you know, all different kinds of water sports. We do, 
what, what we love the most is like barefoot barefoot water skiing, and a lot of people they kind of hear that too, and they're like, "What is that?" Um, so that you know, that's that's being on the water going forty miles, forty plus miles per hour, with no skis or anything, just on your bare feet, and that's something that yeah, my family is just loves. And now um, my youngest brother has gotten really big into it, and he's absolutely incredible at it. He's going backwards on one foot, no hands. Like he's he's doing a bunch of crazy stuff right now. That, he's only fourteen. <laughs> I can't even get up uh, on water skis. I can only imagine trying to do it on bare feet. How how does that sort of even happen? Like how do you how is that even possible? Uh, a couple different ways you can you can get to it. Um, one is just dropping your skis, so you drop down to a slalom okay. and then you step off from there. Um, I think that's one of the easier ways. And the other way, it's called a deep water start, and that's you just lay back in the water, put your feet over the rope, and uh, the boat will kind of take off. You just kind of sit up into a chair, basically. Uh, you still have your feet on the rope, kind of applying pressure. Um, that will bring you on top of the water, and then you just wait for the boat to speed up, slowly put your feet in the water, and you, like gradually you'll stand up. <laughs> well, as you can tell, there there isn't uh, many lakes here in Edmonton, so I'm not much of a water skier. Uh, what's your experience been like? Uh, you know, you, you talked about growing up in Minnesota there. Uh, What's it like been in Edmonton for you in Canada so far? It's been great. Um, Edmonton actually really reminds me of uh, my college town, uh, Fargo, North Dakota. Um, it's and just kind of the way it's set up because Edmonton, I mean, from the way I see it so far, is just that everything's so spread out, um, and that that's the way Fargo was too. Fargo was just expanding like rapidly, and everything was just so spread out. And I mean, you get a little bit of everything here too, and like. There's not as many lakes as I would like because, you know, if, if any kind of free weekend, I'm trying to be on the lake. And I've yet to even get to one out here besides going to Jasper and Banff and stuff. Um, but, uh, you know, it's got a little bit of everything. Well, we'll leave it at that, Brendan. I appreciate you taking some time here. Uh, hopefully we'll see you on the sidelines on Friday uh, against the Riders. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Brendan Zilstra, number 83 of the Edmonton Eskimos giving us a lesson on water skiing. Wasn't expecting that. Now, I remember when uh, Terry was on uh, this show with Reed, and uh, he mentioned that Brandon's a really good water skier, but uh, that's pretty cool. I mean, that's tough. Do you water ski at all, Kellen? Have you? I, mean, I can't even get up. I've tried uh, in the past. I, I like the tubing where you like tubing. sit in the tube. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I, I'm a I'm a sit down person. I'm not a stand up person. So uh. so yeah. So sitting down in the tube, I could do for hours. But you know the water skiing thing. Yeah, crumple like stuff, a house yeah. of cards. Yeah. And we didn't grow up with it here in Edmonton and no. stuff. Like there's no lakes. So unless you're going out in a boat, I mean. Yeah. People I mean, are on a snowboard too, I guess, but they go to the mountains for that. So yeah, there I are mean, lakes around. The but. only lake experience I would get would be during the summer for like a week going to Saskatchewan or yeah. something, you know? That's it. Plus, boats are expensive. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> but there's Brandon Zilstra. That's cool. Uh, looks like he'll be back. And, uh, you know, you have Duke Williams getting better and better each game on that outside. Uh, Brian Mitchell has stepped in. So if you put Brian Mitchell right now, and Zilstra at slot back. And you have Hazleton, I guess, and Williams on the outside. We're so waiting to see where Bowman fits in when he comes back. Obviously, the ratio is going to play a factor in all this because you can't have all these receivers on the field at the same time. But they have they have talent. That's not bad. That's not Stafford bad. That's a good well. lineup. Yeah, I mean, Stafford's been good. Yeah. He's the, he uh, is sort of can take the top off any time with his speed. So many options. And Zilstra. I mean, Mike Riley was going to him. 
every second and long situation early in the season. Uh, that's become uh, Mitchell lately, but Zilstra is outstanding. So uh, this offense, I can't imagine how good it's going to be if they all get healthy here and get the chance to get in a few games together and see where they can take it. Like once Bowman comes back as well, we're talking maybe the best receiver in the CFL, not in the lineup right now. Could Labor Day be the day where everybody comes back and we have a really killer lineup to dress against the Stamps? Wait and see. Yeah, well, knock on wood because there's still a game to play and the way these guys are going down, who knows? Right. Three more Eskimos today lost for the season. But that's Brandon Zilstra. Looks like he'll play against Saskatchewan on Friday. 6.54 in Edmonton. We'll take a timeout. This is Inside Sports. Back here on Inside Sports, Brennan Ulrich with you. We mentioned uh, breaking news out of the UFC from earlier tonight. John Jones being stripped of his lightweight title after testing positive for steroids at UFC 214. That was per uh, TMZ Sports. But now Dana White saying that he is not being uh, formally stripped of the title, but it sounds like those reports are true in terms of him testing positive. That's a big story in sports. And wasn't there supposed to be a big super fight with uh, Brock Lesnar and John Jones in the UFC? Kellen, does this mean that uh, this is now going to shift from the UFC to WWE and we see this happen at WrestleMania? Hey, most likely. We'll see what happens. Hey, hey Vince McMahon. Say, hey, months. I'll take that one. Money, money for Vince McMahon. All right. 6.59 in Edmonton. This is Inside Sports. When we come back, Jamie Thomas from TSN in Hamilton. Stollery Children's Hospital Mighty Millions Lottery Thousands and thousands of amazing prizes up for grabs Win your very own $2.3 million playhouse Plus $100,000 cash Get in early and you could win the bonus prize Edmonton Oilers Season Seats Be mighty and support Stollery Kids Get your tickets today at MightyMillionsLottery.com Gain the technology skills that companies are demanding at Nate's Computer Training Center. Whether you're looking to advance your career or update your skills, stay current with the latest technology-based computer training courses and certificates. Starting this September, Nate offers a wide range of new part-time computer certificates from Oracle Java SE, Android Developer, Customer Relationship Management, and Web Content Management Certificates. Discover all the evening, weekend, and online computer certificates offered at nate.ca slash ctc. The station you turn to in an emergency. CHED 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Global News at 7 o'clock. I'm Cassandra Jodwe. It's 26 degrees. An early morning house fire in southwest Edmonton has been deemed arson. The fire broke out just before 4 a.m. in the Ambleside neighborhood. Eight people were in the house at the time of the fire and six were able to escape. A 29-year-old mother and her five-month-old son were trapped in the home and had to be rescued by firefighters. All eight people were taken to hospital where the infant died of his injuries and the mother remains in life-threatening condition. Two residents confirmed to Global News that the mother's... 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 30 Chad.